Let's shake it up a little. Welcome to the Salt and Pepper Podcast, adding a little bit of salt and a little bit of spice to make your Tuesday just right. Most of the garment textile world, like you get like such bad arthritis that once you can, once you can no longer sew, you're like homeless. And so to be able to build a retirement fund for each of these ladies has been pretty unique just because the stories that we hear about, oh, I was able to buy this piece of land or I was able, my husband drives uh, like a tuk-tuk motorcycle, cycle. I was able to buy his motorcycle. So now the income he generates can like allow us to have like this livelihood without or, like paying it to anyone. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Happy it's Tuesday, Olivia. We have a lot of new listeners to the show, which is so great and so exciting. And it would really help us out if you guys could just take, what, 30 seconds? If that. If that. Subscribe, rate, and review. If like, you don't while have you're time, listening, you could do this. Yeah. Um, if you don't have time to, like, write little notes about, like, how beautiful and funny we are, like, we totally understand. Mm-hmm. But just hit the five stars. That's great. Helps us um, if, out. And if you don't feel like we're five star worthy, message us. Tell us what we can work on. Yes. What is your input? Why would you not listen to us? And it just really helps us out as far as like charts and getting really amazing guests on the show. So if you could all, if you are new and you haven't done that yet, if you could just literally take 30 seconds, it would mean the world to us. And uh, that's all. So let's get into the show. Welcome <laughs> to the Salt and Pepper Podcast. <laughs> I always like to I'm spice, your host. Things, spice things up a little. Um, I'm your host. <laughs> My name is Olivia, and I am at some days, I think, an entrepreneur, a content creator, and a brand builder. That sounds really flexy, doesn't it? My most know. recent business is Velvet and Fur, which is a polymer clay earring business, and we actually have our new Velvet and Fur times salt and pepper earrings coming out very soon they're so cute you guys we're finishing up one design very excited about it and to the right of me very actually close in proximity today is very close we're touching hands no we're not i'm gonna play footsies with you i don't even touch hands with like my mom let alone like a girl i don't really know just kidding (laughs) a girl i'm kind of like she's like an acquaintance like have dementia all of a sudden um, so I think I have melanoma. I probably have some sort of memory issues. Lisa thinks she has melanoma because she has an itchy, tiny mole on her foot. But it's been itchy for a while, so it's kind of freaking me out. And I think from itching it, some of the color has gone away. If any <laughs> so of you are nasty. a dermatologist, please tell me what's going on. But that's when they say, if you think there's something wrong, just go get it checked out. Yeah. Just get so peace of mind. I might as well. And, she, and I need retinol. me to get retinol. So <laughs> For I'm me. Get me and her retinol. I think that might be illegal. But I so supposedly I allegedly she will be going to the dermatologist. I plead the fifth. <laughs> My name is Lisa. I brosser are we doing last names i can't remember i just don't go by my last name because my last name sucks i hate my middle name so we're not doing middle Wait, name. i don't like my again? first name should Lisa? i just go by brosser what's your middle name again um erica <laughs> it's not bad you i like make erica it better than lisa lisa it's just erica that i have two brosser. very boring wow. super american names 
I don't know why Lisa. I don't know any other Lisas. Yeah, I actually don't either. So I know one other Lisa, and she's awesome. She's so sweet. <laughs> she goes to my church. Um, it's so funny. Uh, sorry, another tangent. So I was telling my friends, I'm like, I hate my name so much. I should go by a different name, like Roxy. Ew. And now they won't stop calling me Roxy. I should be, go by like Roxy. I was Roxy. like, oh my gosh, I regret this. I regret this. I think it's a cute name, but they're, once they like started using it, I'm like, no, please That's stop. Like, no, this is not right. Those are like the games you play when you say like your thing you had for lunch and your street name or whatever. You yeah. And like, that's, that's, your that's what they tell me. Yeah that, yeah. that Roxy is my The only Roxy I know is someone's name. dog. Yeah, I knew a Roxy in high school, and she was really cool. Yeah, it's not a bad name, but thinking of you, I know I'm not a Roxy. Roxy. I get it. It's my. Um, That's like me saying you should call me Sabrina. You look like a Sabrina now. Okay. I mean, Sabrina's okay. not a bad. I, Wait, no, I, I'm not saying I Sabrina's a bad name. I actually name like is that just name. So boring. No, I'm not saying Sabrina's a bad name. I'm saying it's. Funny. Can I be Sabrina then? You look more like a Sabrina than you do, Elisa. Mm- no, than a, a Roxy. Roxy. <laughs> no, I than a Roxy. A Roxy is like, I just think surfer because that's the brand. Oh, I think like a yeah. girl who's like, my name's Roxy and I have like naturally wavy hair and I like well, look perfect. really good in a wetsuit. Well, perfect for today's episode. Anyways, <laughs> let, before anyway, we get to that. Anyway, your name is Lisa. My name is Lisa. I'm a creative. My name and is Roxy. I'm really interesting uh when mm-hmm. i'm in my other persona roxy <laughs> um, i'm a mom to two boys a wife and my current obsession oh, I is got my current obsession uh, too late i'm <sighs> first um my current obsession is my two-year-old son bear he now can say my younger son's name mm-hmm. maverick not the whole name he calls him math he just Rather goes, than Maverick. 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 <laughs> Maverick. He's like, Ma-da-da. Maverick. <laughs> he can barely say water, but he can say Maverick. <laughs> um, he's been saying math, math, math. Oh. And I guess this morning while me and Mav are still sleeping, Zav gets up with Bear and he was saying Mav, like in a demanding way, which is hilarious. <gasps> that is cute. Um, he used to only say Ma. And so it's just really cute. Ew, when you look and so at instead me right of now, instead of bath, lips pursed and instead of glinting. so for bath he would say bath and now he says bath oh my gosh it just kills me um we done yeah i am done sorry that kidding. went so long no that actually is cute it was more how you were looking at me you were I like no i just your lips you. and you were like and he says math no <laughs> such a mom um we've been doing this new thing because I know how much you like it when I relate my puppy with your toddler. Love it. My favorite. But that's the only thing I know how to relate to. But it's actually really funny because Elle is in a stage where she is a toddler because Mm -hmm. she will grab something out of the laundry basket. Her favorite thing is clean clothes. And she'll put it in her mouth and I'll say Elle. And she gets up like all force. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Elle drop it and she'll just book it like she knows and then she'll be That's standing funny. in the living room on all fours waiting she for wants me you to, to chase her yeah. yeah and i'm just like, like no do not do that and it's like it's she, a game it's a game and she loves it and i'm just like Ugh. yeah you're so it. cute though this little ewok running around with underwear in its mouth <laughs> cute. that's cute um okay so i have a story okay okay so i'm on my walk and why did you just look at the time on that? I actually can't read the time on that. It's very confusing to <laughs> it me. It is confusing because it's a branch off of our other interview. Oh. It's the same stream. Um, 
So I was on my walk and as I was walking, walking. as you do, I look over to my right and there's um, a, a car and the door is open. And I see like something flickering. I'm like, that's really weird. And it looked like a lighter, but it didn't look like a like a little lighter. It looked like a lighter you use in like your house, like a house. Oh, I know what you're talking lighter. about. OK, I've seen those. No, like a, yeah, like a normal lighter. Yeah. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. We're all tracking everybody. Uh-huh. This guy, probably eight in the morning, has a bong and he's lighting it with a candle lighter. Oh. In his car with the door open. Okay. And I'm just walking and, you know, I'm trying not to look, but I'm wondering, okay, how can I film this? How can I take a photo of this? What can I do? There was no way about it. He was looking at me, looking at him. And I'm like, I respect the hustle. He's like, I don't have a normal lighter. I'm going to use this lighter. I don't have anywhere to go. I'm going to sit in my car. That's my story. That's a great story. I um, live in Hippie Town, USA, where that's in front of my house probably every day. I think it was the big lighter that did it for me. That's what made it solidified it. It looked like he like borrowed it from his mom. Was like, hey, mom, give me a lighter. Give me a lighter. (laughs) I have candles in my room. That's like what it seems like. Puts it in his backpack and leaves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, My current obsession is the muesli from Trader Joe's. So what is muesli? That's what I eat every day for breakfast. It's like oatmeal. But it's, um, you kind of have to let it soak. I would compare it to maybe like steel oats. Like they're a little mm-hmm. bit like you have to cook them longer. But there it's more like oatmeal, but you can oh, you eat it dry. Them? No, oh. you can do both. So you can cook it. But you know how you wouldn't take oatmeal and put like milk in it? Because that would taste like chalk. But like with muesli, <laughs> this is the longest story ever about oats. <laughs> um, but it has like, um, it has like pumpkin seeds in it. And it has like raisins in it. Oh. And and most of it has because Kinda I like always like yes like granola but the thing with granola that I would eat for a long time I would get it from Costco <laughs> she's cute is that um there's just so much sugar added into granola oh, uh-huh. and the only not sugar added granola at Costco is no joke 25 dollars oh and wow. I was like okay I can't do that and so this is the only place I've ever found it Trader Joe's has hmm. muesli with no sugar added so I add a tiny bit of monk fruit and mm-hmm. um cinnamon with Yum. almond milk so it's like I a little that. bit kind of chewy at Aww. the beginning but it's really good it's like a great I wish I got some I was just there yeah you should but I have also been liking the Bob Red Mills one too mm. it tastes better so I've been purposely not looking at the ingredients because I think there might be oh, sugar yeah, added probably. but gosh I anyway. love monk fruit sweetener I know I put it I in my coffee they're fair trade certified Ooh, so that's a good it's like today's episode yeah but before we get into that yeah man wow what a treat for shay he gets this intro i we've know. got bongs <laughs> we've got muesli <laughs> what else do we have oh melanoma i, I already can't remember <laughs> um, got memory problems <laughs> um well let's get to the silver lining of the week okay you go first okay Okay. Um. <laughs> oh no! What is this? My mole is itchy. And I need to get it. That's, wait, that's not your silver lining. Your silver lining is my mole is itchy, and I need to get it checked out. How is that silver lining? What? That's that's something sucky. And maybe the silver lining is I'm gonna go to the dermatologist, and I'm gonna get retinol. <laughs> 
people are probably like her life is so privileged her biggest <laughs> issue is that her foot is itching <laughs> oh god Wait, look if you want me to think of something else that's like really deep and sad and scary i mean after our last episode was it last episode about all of the stuff that's just going that on that was two episodes ago okay um the anger one right yeah the eavesdrop, our first eavesdrop yes a lot of good has come out of that mm-hmm. a lot of people reaching out um just about like because it was really hard sharing that stuff I had a vulnerability hangover I'm like why did I share so much about myself um just feeling like anxiety over it and I've just gotten a lot of really good feedback like thanks for sharing that kind of stuff like I've been going through that or I just feel like a lot of doors have just in general like opened up ever since then and it's opened up me and Olivia's eyes as far as like wanting to talk more about like mental health and like when we have anger issues like how can we deal with it better and so it was just good that we kept the conversation open and that we've been getting help and my mentor's been helping me it's been really good I've been doing like breath prayers and just praying through it that's great I was going to say I don't want to change and I want to continue to throw things. But then I thought it might be not a great time for a joke. But then I just decided to say the joke anyway. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's usually how it goes, right? I, go, yes. I wasn't really going to say that, but then I did anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's actually good. And yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree with everything that you just said. That's like every single boxer that we send each other. I totally agree with you when I hear like you. Everything that you said. And then we still like say more. And branching off of that, that's usually how it goes. Um, I would say my silver lining this week is that God just really provides. Mm. Like, he just really does. And whether, you know, you're listening and have a faith or you don't, like, for me and my life, it's just so amazing to have, like, hope. Whenever I'm at, like, my lowest point or my, like, darkest moment, it's so encouraging to know that I have like hope in something bigger than me and so you know for me that is God and that is having a faith um but it's just encouraging for anyone listening to if that's not that for them to have like that person that they can call Mm -hmm. or that that song they can listen to or something that they can like really lean into because I know when I really hit my breaking point and like the next day just really showing like just random like things coming through or a job coming through or somebody you know like uh, Becca Tilly shout out girl if you're listening um, you know featuring us on her story and it's like celebrating like you always remind me to like celebrate the small victories mm-hmm. and being like these tiny little things that are happening are gonna start like are like the building blocks to our building right as what we are and like yeah. these are little bricks that we're adding to it um, and it is just it's encouraging to know like like it is gonna be okay no mm. matter what happens like no matter even if the worst thing that you can possibly think of happens it's all gonna it will be okay in the end and Mm -hmm. I I was just reminded of that this week that is so cool yeah so anyway wow so from like super not serious to like super serious we gotta get out of this (laughs) shake it off shake it off shake off the seriousness gross um so this week we have Shay Parton on the show mm-hmm. that's his name yes I get, it I is right so you got scared it. when I say people's <laughs> names um and he is the co-founder of Apollos um you guys might know of him because of his market bags mm-hmm. um worldwide yeah amazing oh, yeah. they're sold I mean you see them on Nordstrom Anthropology made well I mean those are just like some quick ones that you find if you mm-hmm. look up 
the Paulus Market bag. Yeah. Um, and then you see celebrities with them mm-hmm. everywhere. Like, it's funny because all, like, Shay's one of our friends, um, my husband's friends, and uh, he's my friend, too. It's okay, Shay, you're my friend, too. Um, Congrats. <laughs> it's funny because, like, I won't even be looking to find, like, an Apollos Market bag, and I'll be in a random tiny town, and I'll see one, or I'm in a big city, and I'll see an Apollos Market bag, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so much bigger than I realized. Mm-hmm. And so it's just really cool because that's one of our friends that we, like, love and adore, and to see that, like, he's killing the game, him and – ran <laughs> sorry i drink like a lot of hand since, motions today with your nails i know it's because of the nails they look so dramatic and they're so long right now i really need to get them done next week sorry oh, i didn't want to bring it up because you uh, want to get I your nails done so bad um is this why boys don't really want to listen to our episode probably <laughs> they're like focus uh, i know seriously um, i can't but anyways yeah but um, everything you're saying Great, great, great. Yeah, agree. Also, we talk a lot about fair trade. Um, yeah. We talk about, um, like, what their company is doing. They work with baby to baby, and every mask, right, every mask somebody buys provides a family in need with a day, with the diapers for a week. Is that correct? Or for a day? I think a day. A day. Okay. Either way, amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just doing, like, a lot of amazing things in the world, and I think that just shows, like, just how how amazing of a business it is because they're thinking bigger than them they're mm-hmm. thinking they're not thinking of just about the money and how to scale the business but they're they're thinking of how to change the world and yeah. that's so encouraging yeah so love it i'm always the one who just like has no idea what to say next. okay perfect well guys <laughs> we really hope you enjoyed today's show and let's get into it bye bye <laughs> Okay, so um, I am so excited to have you on. I think it's really fun to have on people that I already know, but like just in a friend way, and then picking their brain as far as their business brain, because they're two completely different things, and I only know the woo (laughs) surfer Shay who goes surfing with my husband. And um, on that note, by the way, um, I really need you to go surfing with Zav so that you can get barreled and take this stupid trophy away from my home because I'm so sick of seeing that thing in my living room. I want it back so bad. Oh my gosh, I want you to have it back. I don't know if Mary wants you to have it back, but I need you to have it back. (laughs) What what that means is um, my husband has little surf competitions with Shay and uh, one of their friends, Tim, and whoever gets the best barrel or gets barreled the best gets the trophy. And I don't know how Zav wins compared to you who like surfed competitively. It's like, it's like you're letting him win, honestly. Oh, dude, your, your husband shreds. (laughs) I was like reading the note and I was like, get barreled trophy and I was like what does that even mean Zav's like you you need to ask him when he can get barreled so he can get the trophy back (laughs) well um do you just want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what you do totally so my name's Shay my brother and I started the brand Apollos we have this idea of um everyone loves like that proverb teach people how to fish rather than giving them fish but what we've learned is that there's plenty of well-trained fishermen in developing economies. They often don't have the right bait or a large enough pond. 
And so we've seen this opportunity to co-design products with communities and cooperatives to bring to a wider audience and a stronger market. And we anchor it to this word Apollos that translates to global citizen because we believe all people are created equal, should have equal access to the global market. And now with over half a million um, market bag owners across 12 countries, um, providing a certified fair trade wage, annual profit dividend and a retirement fund for hundreds of mothers that make this bag. We've just been really thankful to see how you can use business for good. And we're just kind of figuring it out as we go. Started in high school. So. So let's start with the market bag and Apollos and as what you sell. Mm -hmm. So you guys, you started, did you start off with clothing? I remember when we came by the store years ago in California, you guys had clothes, Mm -hmm. which you were so sweet. You let us all pick something out and I still have that dress. It's one of my favorite dresses that I own Mm -hmm. and it looks exactly the same. It, It like it stand stood time whatever that's called and so i'm really bummed you guys don't have clothes anymore so is it true that you guys are just doing market bags and masks now yeah we just kind of realized like the market's like so busy if you're not known for one thing you're not known for anything right now and we just have kind of stumbled into this niche with california outline plastic bags and my brother like in 2010 he's like there's an incredible opportunity with like a elevated reusable grocery bag that could be customizable and with a real purpose behind it. And I was like, man, it's a dumb idea. Um, We're like in the men's clothing business. Why would we ever do that? And he's like, dude, forget you. I'm gonna use my own money. And he ordered the first, like, I think it was like 50 bags. And, um, and it just really got like momentum. And it's been really fun to see like some great people use the bag that allows to get in front of a lot of people. And um, in general, it's just been a total like thing where you can't really choose your customer, but if you find something that people like, you gotta like have insane reverence to like learn and listen and just improve it. So that's kind of where we're at. So is that is that the market bag in general improving on that or is that the company yeah. and like kind of yeah. the evolution of everything? Yeah, I mean, I think that the sense of even like the face mask is is really just the bandwagon of this whole world we're in, but like that we're able to kind of like make quite a few face masks just due to like people seeing that we can produce like a product that will be something to stand behind and that was fun to see, but we really haven't made anything besides bags um, for about four years now. So really like focused on a single item and it's been like really rewarding in so many levels from like the impact on the supply chain to how it's just um grown our business and super grateful um so i hold your thought i want you to go back like way back and i want to understand because obviously entrepreneurship has become kind of trendy (laughs) nowadays, right? And it's a little bit more accepted than it was. So you said that you started Apollos in high school, but what does that look like? Because you're making all of this stuff and how are you selling? Like you're not using influencers at (laughs) at that point, you know? And so it's like, how actually, how how does this start? Because I know you hit so many walls at the beginning and all of that stuff. So... Can you walk us through that? <laughs> oh, totally, yeah. 
I mean, when we first got started in high school selling t-shirts, it was more of like just a total hobby. And my brother was really into design and I just felt like we could sell boats together as long as it had a purpose. Like it just had to be something that we felt like there was some reason for it. And he had historically um, worked for Nike and he just was really into graphic design. And so he kind of just got into this sense of like garment textile just by um, it being like kind of cool. And then um, we also were raised by a father's uh, construction background originally. And we just were kind of like, we don't want to get in the construction business. And then kind of fast forward to where we are today. And it's like, a little bit more glamorous construction business with like raw materials and contractors and deadlines. And we've just relatively looked at like, you know, you're kind of responsible with a little, you get trusted with more. And we've just been like chipping away at it with um, just very little like legit momentum over the probably the past like 10 years, just like a lot of great people around us, a lot of great, um, you know, little base hits. And then kind of seen more than ever that like the whole garment textile world is like even like Ralph Lauren, like over 20% of their business is like a PK polo. Um, our friends that do Tom's, like they've tried to do a lot of other SKUs, but like the espadrille is the only thing that really works for them. And the only way you really can kind of stay around because it's such a hard like seasonality business is that if you can find a widget that can be elevated and improved, but that you're known for. And often it's just like a couple seasons and then it's done, you know, it's kind of the nature of fashion. And we've just been thankful that it's particularly been able to get distribution and legs through uh, like a travel souvenir or an item that represents shopping local. And so we work with most of the Four Seasons properties, most of the Ritz Carlton properties, um, and then about 2,000 other wholesale accounts across 12 countries. Everything from like Le Bon Marche in Paris to, um, I don't know, Ron Herman in LA, like quite a few that are like in the elevated sense. And then quite a few that are in more of like the uh, kind of like larger distribution, like um, Chip and Joanna Gaines, Magnolia Market, like stuff like that. So, wow. So crazy. I know. Like, I, like... <laughs> it's so funny, Shay, because I just know you as Shay, surfer guy. Woo! And then I was like, oh, I should probably like Google like Apollos and like look at the website and then see like your retailers. Like you're in anthropology. Like you're oh. in Madewell. Like I like wrapping my head around like this really chill, cool, like down to earth. <laughs> like, like I usually just see you at Lithia Park, my kids, your kids running around. And like behind that is like this huge company. So like where did the inspiration come from to go from shirts up to the bags? Like where did you guys already know like you and your brother that you wanted to start this business and it wanted to be um, not eco-friendly, but well, maybe probably eco-friendly too, but um, what, what's um, fair trade, fair trade. Yes. Fair trade. <laughs> We're there. We got there. I got there. Oh, totally. There's a lot of terms for it. Well, I mean, I guess most of it is just that we, we really just have like a unique setup where my brother does everything creative. I do the business. And so I think I've historically been um, like 
a proponent to just like focusing and staying consistent. And then, so when my brother kind of was like kicking around this market bag idea, I thought it was so dumb. <laughs> and then now, um, it's the only thing that I talk about, the only thing we focus on. And he's constantly like, Hey, why don't we, you know, start this or touch that? And I'm like, no, like you can only get like a win once and you got to like, you know, be very grateful for it. So I think most of what we're thinking about is, um, is just kind of like how to, I mean, for what it's worth, like we release a new bag like every Sunday because we've kind of seen that the market's so busy. If you can't provide some like limited scarcity, like Supreme drops for moms, like it's hard to keep like the um, evergreen kind of market bag, like uh, very like kind of desired. And with, yeah, approaching a million um, market bag owners, we still haven't put one on sale yet. And so we've been able to keep like price, which is really hard. And, um, and so it just been kind of like doing a lot of things that are probably like, um, from like our background of learning, like men's business and learning, like even some of the streetwear business and then kind of seeing how that's relevant for like a lady that's in LA that loves Sephora and dry bar is like the lady we focus on. So like, <laughs> Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's so us. <laughs> so that's, that's, yeah, that's me, but just not in LA. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, cause I originally actually got your market bag as a gift from one of our friends and I'm like, Oh, this is really cool. It's before I knew you. It was years ago. And I ended up just keeping it in the back of my car to use. And it's literally the only bag I use for anything. It's waterproof. You can like just throw it around anywhere and it's durable. I love it. It's the best. Oh, it's so cool to hear. My my wife probably like starts to get like numb at how much I talk about it. So it's fun when like people are like, oh, you know what? I like it. It's like, cool. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's cool to hear that you're saying that you like niche down into like one thing, because I think a lot of businesses, it's like you want to like keep creating, especially when you work with your brother who sounds like he's like the artist and then you do like the back end. And mm -hmm. it's like, I know artists love to be able to keep creating and keep doing, but also so as a business you have to like hone in on that one thing and it's so hard to continue to do that but it's also like encouraging to hear that and be like yeah you can have one product and you can get known for that product and that's how people know you guys um mm -hmm. which I think is really awesome um and I am just curious did you guys go to college to like and learn like business or how did you guys develop all of this together Oh, you're sweet for even caring. I went to a small liberal arts school with my brother in San Diego called Point Loma. Oh, yeah. And, um, and yeah, not much more than like, I mean, I got a business degree with a concentration in entrepreneurial finance, but it's, it's really been just like surrounding ourselves with some like-minded people who just like never um, like been in a sense of like, uh, just being super blunt about like, Hey, sales need to supersede expenses and the posture of most creative businesses, especially in like the fashion space is like, Oh, one day Oprah's going to have this and it's going to bail us out of all our debt and it's all going to be worth it. And it's just kind of this really um, kind of inadequate sense of like actual brand building. Cause I think people are like more than ever growing up in Santa Barbara around um, 
Patagonia is based in Ventura. And so we've just had a lot of interaction with all of their team growing up. And we got certified B Corp in 2012, which uh, Patagonia was the first B Corp um, in California. We were shortly thereafter. And they just kind of like kicked our butt on like, you can't look at your peers when it comes to brand building because most of them um, are just really uh, not thinking long-term. And if you're sincere about like, for us job creation, like it doesn't matter if you have a really good year, you have to be around for a long time to really build trust in how people can have a livelihood for a long time. So for what we've always looked at is like, yeah, we probably could sell a lot more bags right now if we wanted to discount our bag, for example, but that would long-term like hurt like the um, sense of it being like a special item. And then that would long-term hurt like actually being able to stay in business and keep people employed. So we've kind of just seen like, okay, let's kind of go more of this like uh, limited kind of special route and it'll give us like a lot much longer lifespan and have to kind of be content with that time horizon. But it's been um, all kind of due to like, I mean, we've been relatively mentored by the uh, founder of um, the street brand Stussy um, and his name is literally Frank Sinatra. And, um, we've just been so thankful for his like kind of wisdom along the years. And then just great finance people and great sourcing people, um, particularly from like the Patagonia world. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is such good insight, especially because it, I have an earring business with my friend and we, and mm. we always say like, we, like we want to play the long game. We want to look mm. like way down the line and be like, mm. how can we build this foundation? How can we build connections? Because we could look at all these other earring businesses that do like drops and they sell out and it's like, well, maybe we should do that. Like maybe mm. we should have sales. And it's like, no, like hold on, hold tight because mm. it'll build like that community of people. Mm. Um, which is it's really good to hear that from you i'm like yes <laughs> being reinforced um but also with what you're saying do you have advice for people that are maybe starting businesses or who are artists to take constructive criticism and to learn from people around you because i know that's so it's so hard for me to just be like no stop like i'm perfect like what are you talking about <laughs> you know so for you guys how did you get to the spot where you can like learn and grow from those people yeah, I mean, I think the key is, like, surround yourself with people that care more about, like, your sanity than your creativity, like, because I think, like, you'll, if you see, like, any success, you'll have a lot of people want to support you or be, like, in your corner, but they might not, like, actually care about, like, longevity or just, like, a sense of burnout, and um, you surround yourself with the right people who are, like, they care more about you than anything that you're doing as far as, like, um, performance and then it it builds like a better kind of appreciation for like the facts than like some hope that like oh my goodness yeah some celebrity is going to wear it some influencer is going to use it and it just never transpires to like what people think like I think like literally maybe maybe like eight years ago like if a legitimate celebrity wore something um you could see the things work, but like it just the, we've had every great celebrity use our bag and none of it moves the needle. Um, I mean, and it's just kind of like a really kind of sense of like how the customer 
is like the king more than ever. Like the 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 kind of like old school mentality of like the brand being the hero versus the customer being the hero is um, is like a great you know sentiment on why like Barney's is out of business. And mm-hmm. I think like the key for us is just really learning and listening to our community and then trying to figure out ways to like better serve the people that like our bag. Okay. That I think is a great segue into asking about how you guys decided to start doing masks. Mm -hmm. Like what, at what point are you like, okay, the market bag is all we do. Oh Mm -hmm. my gosh, we're in a pandemic. What can we do to like help everyone? What was the thought behind that? Yeah. I mean, most of it's just like, and when you like, is most of like about half our business is wholesale, which a lot of these mom and pop shops don't even have websites. And, um, and so then when everything closes down, it just dramatically impacts just like they can't even sell. So I think most of it was like in the season that a lot of people dealt with is just like adapting and just not taking yourself too serious. One of the things that really elevates what we're doing is just, um, e-commerce in general is like all about delayed gratification where like you are going to be patient and that's hard for most Americans. And so what we see e-commerce evolving into more than anything is like an entitlement for personalization. And we have just seen that with how people have customized our bag and we were able to get it shipped like one of a kind customization for one single unit in less than three days. And we just saw that that have just some relevance for a face mask. And then we just had so much of like our early business with making clothing, like all these um, just kind of workforce was in this place of like completely not doing anything but face masks. And and it was kind of like eye-opening to see in LA, but it was like, literally something to be super thankful to be a part of because kind of looking back on it now like um there's literally like a good three and a half weeks where you literally couldn't make enough units and you had customers that really would buy large large numbers and they would be okay well i think specifically the thing that always blew me away is like we would pick up large orders from factories for large shipments for a wholesale customer and we would we would go through all the quality control to kind of like clarify like hey this is the standards and and met the top of production sample and there would be such this like tolerance because there was such a like a bandwidth issue like they just couldn't make enough and it was like hey if you don't like this the mask like i have something else we'll buy them so you can kind of be okay with like less than high 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 quality and then there wasn't enough like on hand fabric in LA because the, the the cotton mills and everything wasn't being processed. So you kind of had to like use like a whole bunch of cotton from all these different people. And then, so there might be some inconsistencies and fit and that only lasted for like a few weeks before, like everything got to be like more like legit scenario of like keeping up with supply and demand, but everyone kind of talks like it was the gold rush. It's just like crazy mm-hmm. to even talk about yeah. Um, I think what's interesting, it's probably different because you, like the de- demand was just so quick once the pandemic hit and then you mm-hmm. realize like, oh, we should and we could make masks right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can only imagine 
it's really difficult to put something out when it's not like perfection. Mm-hmm. So at what point did you say like, it's okay right now, like, let's just get it out there? Is it because it was a pandemic or is it kind of how you would roll out anything? I mean, I think most of it's just like, when it comes down to like, here's the choices, like um, these employees are furloughed or we make face masks at sub quality, like we're going to make, we're going to make it work, you know, we're going to figure it out. Um, so I think what's been cool too, is just seeing like such a limited number of returns to kind of like quantify that the decision wasn't like cowboy. So that's Mm -hmm. been cool to see. Dang. So how do you keep your mentality for so long? Cause you've been doing this for a really long time with your brothers or like with family and when stuff happens like this, like COVID hits and you're like, we got to make these big decisions. We've got to do it and we have to execute. Do you have things that you do (laughs) is it um do you have like a strict routine that you you do every day or um you know do you read books like even just selfishly for me I know how hard it is to get stuck in your head and be like I don't want to do this anymore this is so hard so for you how do you how do you just keep going oh such a good question I mean I think most of it just like a really great role model. My dad started in construction and then coming into now doing more like real estate development. And I think just the thing that he's always said that's like stood out to me is just like this simple idea of like, um, I mean, everyone talks about like maybe like EQ, which is like emotional intelligence versus like IQ. But my dad always just called it like mental toughness. And I think like so much of it is like why even I moved to Oregon and still the businesses in Los Angeles is like, I was just getting like really burnt out within the kind of constant like comparison culture of like, Oh my goodness, those people have been doing it for a few years and they got some crazy investment and they're growing so much faster than us. Why and how versus like, wait, am I happy? Is my family healthy? Do I enjoy what I do? That's really only the thing that matters. And how do I stay focused? And also what we've seen more than ever is I think people are like really, um, specifically from like a consumer standpoint, like drawn to like brands that are content, like brands that aren't just Mm kind of like following and then ultimately like changing with the sways of like trends. And so I think there's something to be said on like how learning from my dad about just mental toughness and, and being in like a place like Jacksonville, Oregon to like literally just cruise and not ever think at all about work once the day's over because it's just such a different culture that I'm so grateful for. And, um, and then I think tons of books, tons of podcasts, tons of stuff, but yeah, that's, Mm -hmm. that's another conversation. (laughs) Yeah. Can you recommend, I know this is going to be really hard. Can you recommend like your number one or like your two favorite podcasts and your favorite book? Oh man. Um, well, I just, anything that's maybe life changing actually. (laughs) (laughs) yeah I feel like most of the podcasts are pretty predictable um but I think like book wise for like just small business it's like such a cheesy one but it's so good because it kind of helps you rethink like how you don't become like a slave to your business is um it's like e-myth it's actually like they're based in Ashland they have their little institute in Ashland yeah and it's like this this dude that like put it together a long time ago and it's just like smart practice on like how to be more thoughtful about um, 
creating like excellence around process, standard operating procedures, things that are like very fundamental to um, treating people like adults. Like I think the kind of millennial culture, like as like a baby boomer, I'm a millennial, but like most baby boomers like talk down to millennials because they're like, oh my goodness, they're so entitled. They don't get it, you know, yada, yada. But like one of the craziest takeaways from like the HR book that um, Netflix put together by Patty McClure, it's called Powerful. It's so good. But her perspective is just like, if you don't treat this new, like call it job force, like an adult, you won't get anywhere. Like these millennials on wall street, they're like so burnt out getting paid well, but they just get traded like less than adults. And you can literally not to promote underpaying people, but you could literally like pay people less if you're willing to like mentor and foster that self-improvement's important to like further your career. And the biggest kind of fundamental is like rethinking kind of just what it means to look at it almost like a sports team versus like um, anything else. Like you want to focus on performance and people that are into sports, they know that it's about their own sense of intuition and in a sense of like being proactive to improve versus like anyone else's responsibility. And then like from a coach's standpoint, you're always looking around for more talent you're always wanting to figure out where the best talent is and then even as like an athlete like you're not in a place like your sense like oh i've been here for three years so i should get paid more it's like no like i'm looking around the market i see more value if i go somewhere else and and constantly with that posture i think it relatively just impacts like creating a great product and serving your customer really well versus like some of the more old school format, which often is like not helping create a great product and not serving the customer very well. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I remember I was, I had um, like a lunch with one of my friends and we were talking kind of just about like COVID or, or just like a lot of, you know, what's happening in the world right now. And she said something so simple and she was like, you know, I was reading in the Bible when Jesus tells us like every single person we talk to, we need to pretend like we're less than them. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that's such a good reminder, not just like in life and in general, but even in business and remembering like, you know, not even just like the customer's always right, but it's like, no, truly, like, how can I serve you? Like, how can Mm -hmm. I help you more? Because that is going to grow your business. And it even goes back into what you were saying about moving out of LA. Like I've had people ask me like, don't you think you would be more successful if you like moved to LA or New York? And I'm like, no, I think I would be so bogged down because I would be comparing myself to the most successful people ever. Mm, And it's like, that would take me away from serving because I would just keep trying to, to get ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, Um, but that also kind of leads me into, I was listening to a devotional and she was talking about how every person has a job, a career and a calling, and you can figure out like which one's which, or if they all go together. And that really made me think about like my businesses. And it's like a calling is Mm -hmm. what like, you know, I believe like the Lord calls us to do, but how can you turn your passion and your job into a calling? And Mm -hmm. so for you guys, I know you opened with, um, like teaching Amanda Fisher, that whole thing is very interesting to me. So for you, how did you get to a spot where you were like, we want to help people. We want to, you know, be eco-friendly. We want to do these things. Um, Mm -hmm. I know that was like so much all at once, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think 
my um, parents were just like really adamant that like we were going to be like Southern California um, monsters if we didn't see the rest <laughs> of the world. Um, so from an early age, they were all about us um, getting out of the great country of America. And I think what really stood out to us as our parents were really kind of showing us this is like, I was anticipating like all these differences, you know, when you've got like, the different currencies and the different languages and even the quirky plug outlets. Like I was like, so like looking to like, Oh, I'm not going to relate to these people. But the more that my parents showed us that like everyone's got the same desire to laugh and learn and really provide for your family. It really just stood out to me at like a really basic level that like that idea of providing for your family is super um, yeah. Kind of like big picture important for everyone. And if my brother and I could just do something that was a business that could use business for good and just kind of have it be something about connecting people and, and creating like a simple awareness of like this idea of like rules and and incentives for like using business is like, I think kind of backwards, like you just find like good people and you allow them to like take ownership over their craft to determine their own future. It's like really that simple. And for what it's worth, like we're just super thankful, like complete, like stars aligned, um, complete blessing on how these things have come together within garment textile, within specifically the market bag. But a lot of it is just kind of like um, taking it one day at a time. Because I think if I could have told you, you know, oh, this is where I think we're going, you know, call it a long time ago, like it'd be so wrong. And I think kind of leaving things open to like great people and just trying to say yes as much as possible um, has been really important. So So you leaving California um, and coming to Jacksonville, tiny little Jacksonville, um, how I'm wondering and I'm curious, um, having such a big business, um, the balance between like family and business and how do you make time for both, especially now that you live here? Um, like, do you have to go back or do you get to just work remotely? And then how do you balance both business and family? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the nature of um, kind of when we made the transition out here in 2017, I was like getting ready to go on a um, trip for a few weeks. We just had our second kid or little girl and I was just like man it's gonna be so brutal for my incredible wife just to have two newborns like they're both like under two at the time while I'm like gone for three weeks in LA at a small house that we had just like finished renovating and it was kind of like okay let's just go um I'll, I'll get you with your parents um camp out there I'll leave from there and then you know hopefully that'll be better and I was just like blown away on how much I was able to get done in a few weeks, just working remote with like no trans, no, no distractions. Like I love LA, but like being in like any big city, you just have so many friends and family that are like, Oh, Hey, I'm here for a day. You want to get coffee? And I was just noticing that like literally like probably four hours of my week went towards like spontaneous, like bro outs that like had no idea this person was in town and they're just like throwing a big shotgun. And I was like, <laughs> to, to just like right in there. And so like the big thing I felt like was 
having like so much um, kind of efficiency by being remote. And then secondly, um, I was just like getting home and my wife was like recharged and she just loved being with our incredible family and just this neighborhood. And then totally spontaneously in my wife's um, family was just like, Hey, we're looking at this piece of property across the street. Like, would you guys think about it? And we're like, we're looking at the economics between what little we had in LA to what could translate here. And it just made so much sense. And um, it was, it was fun to kind of see how it all played out, but I think it was, it was kind of like one of those things that like, even like, I don't know, four years ago, like if I was told, like, I mean, we got married in Grants Pass in my wife's family's backyard. And it was kind of like, if you would have told me we would have lived here, I would have been like, no way, it's not possible. But like, I think especially now with COVID, I feel like everyone's further um, accepted working remote. And so it kind of, I mean, we have some great kind of like older advisory dudes and they're always super snarky about like doing a zoom or something like that and then now with covid they're like oh yeah no this this makes sense you know and so it's been fun to kind of see things evolve yeah dang i'm just so reminded of how there's just like no excuses in 2020 to build a business like you can do whatever oh, you want like you can go wherever you want and it's it's inspiring and also is like gets people moving you know like you can do it yeah um do you have ad- advice for for people building a business maybe not just in covid but just in general like let's say somebody has this idea and they want to start out do you have advice for them to kind of just hone in like take it one step at a time um and like get that idea going because i think that's the hardest part the hardest part is starting yeah i mean i think the thing that is interesting is like it's it's really an easy time to start but it's also like a super competitive time you know i think like the tools though are like very humbling to use because i think no one wants to set themselves up very kind of like vulnerably and then fail but i think that's like kind of the best format within like any of these uh, crowdfunding platforms because it just like creates like such this insane kind of like um, commitment with like, Hey, talking to this buddy can help you do a video talking to that friend that can help you, you know, whittle together some widget and some other friend that's good at copywriting. And then you like, you put it into this like moment where you just get a good like read on it. And then you can literally like save yourself so much time and energy and money by like, holy cow, no one liked it. We don't even need to go into production or, you know, this service doesn't make sense or this, this idea was a loss. So I think the key is just like not taking yourself too serious and surround yourself with like people that can like build you up. So you're not looking to the world for affirmation. Um, and, and I think that's been like, what's been super important for us. That's really good. Emotional sanity. Yeah. I'm never going to forget that. I feel like that's like my golden nugget is like not just like the intelligence, like mind intelligence, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. emotional intelligence and being around people who like keep you sane. It's so funny because um, Zav, he obviously like, I don't think there's anything he loves more in the world other than my children and me, of course, (laughs) more than surfing. And he says like his favorite thing is when on your guys's car rides there and back because it's like a three hour car ride. Just 
he says his mind is like blown just listening to you and Tim just talk business. Um, Tim, who owns Case Coffee, and just talk business. And he says like he has grown so much just in those like small time slots. So I, I just want to get you and Tim on the podcast and just get you guys talking and just like watch like wide eyed and try to like I'm I'm right now I'm trying to like input all of this information. I'm like trying to track, but I'm like, wow, this is so smart. And like oh, I'm grasping so every concept like two sentences after it actually happens. And I'm like, Whoa, like that was so good. Oh, so, appreciate it. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. I know when you're talking, it's just, it reminds, it's, it's kind of crazy we're talking to you now because like I had mentioned before, I was talking to my friend about like figuring out how to implement like community and giving back into our business because mm. hearing you talk this whole time, I'm like, the reason why you're successful, the reason why this is a calling is because you genuinely care about people. It's not just, it's not mm. about your product. It's about mm. how can we serve like the greater good and how can we be salt of the earth? And I think it's just so cool to like, remember, like I'm so passionate um, that like every single person has a calling, whether it's painting or growing tomatoes, I don't care what it is. It's like, I think every single person has been gifted with this, you know, this calling and this ability. So it's, I think it's so encouraging to know, like, no matter what that calling is, you can use it for the, the greater good, even if sometimes you have to be a little bit more creative to do that. Um, mm -hmm. And and that's, you know, when I was reading your bio about how you guys uh, work with baby to baby. And um, can you talk a little bit more about that and how that all started too? Yeah, I mean, uh, we we made um, a bag with this rock star or friend of ours that uh, we just hit it off with her husband. She's the largest Pinterest in the world. Her name's Ojoy. And um, she had a great relationship with um, nonprofit Baby to Baby in Los Angeles. And so the idea was just like, how do we figure out some fun way to work with um, this charity that she loved with this like collaborative bag that we made? And it was just a idea of like how you can provide a day of diapers for an American family now impacted by COVID um, by purchasing the bag. And it sounds like, pretty insignificant but in the big picture of how how incredibly crazy the season is and how a lot of people are choosing between food for their infant or like diapers and the hope is that they don't need to make that choice so it's um it's a great kind of setup that baby to baby does with a lot of companies we're not like revolutionary in how we've worked with them but um, that's also kind of tied to like each mask that you buy on our website right now is tied to babies and um, baby to baby as well. That's awesome. That's really mm -hmm. cool. So um, it's so funny. You, you mentioned that you're friends with the founder of Tom's. Um, it's so funny mm -hmm. because when I was looking up Apollos, I was like, gosh, this reminds me so much of Tom's. And then I saw underneath where you guys talk about baby to baby and the description of like the blank Bangladeshi moms um, like creating the bags and then it was showing like all of these foundations that you guys work with and I'm like oh my gosh like these are all of the other people I was thinking of so I was curious like were you one of the front runners as far as like you guys don't necessarily do like buy one get one but as far as like f fair I know you're maybe not one of the first in the fair trade, but with partnering with baby to baby, it kind of reminds me of like how Tom's does the buy one, you give one. 
Are you guys mm -hmm. one of the first people who did that? No, no. Um, I mean, we, we just started doing this thing with baby to baby, like in the last eight months. Um, and the overall kind of format that we've started with is more like, uh, job creation is just the easiest way to think of it. But the, the overall like way that it's been executed in, um, these two cooperatives, um, uh, with hundreds of moms making this bag is, is really just like an idea around how to break a poverty cycle mm -hmm. because I think what we've noticed is that um, we love fair trade. We think the fair trade um, certification process is amazing. It, it provides such better accountability across the globe, but it's, it's kind of a, a global minimum wage. And again, it's much better than what is often the format. And uh, the thought though of um, this manager that uh, we've kind of come across over the last, man, it's been, yeah, it's been 10 years, um, is that there's an opportunity to break a poverty cycle if you can provide an annual profit dividend. So it's tied to the success of the year's, call it yield or the year's kind of business. And then also a retirement fund because most, most of the garment textile world, like you get like such bad arthritis that once you can, once you can no longer sew, you're like homeless. And so to be able to build a retirement fund for each of these ladies has been pretty unique just because the stories, we share a new story every Sunday on our Instagram and the stories that we hear about, oh, I was able to buy this piece of land or I was able, my husband drives uh, like a tuk-tuk motorcycle cycle. I was able to buy his motorcycle. So now the income he generates can like allow us to, you know, have like this livelihood without, or like paying it to anyone, you know? And there's just all these like crazy stories around um, the the main community we're in is like a 200,000 um, population, but it's the largest garment textile um, kind of business. And so it's it's cool when you see it kind of have an impact and get to see and, and get to go there and see it. But it's, um, it's all very microeconomics none of this is like radically moving the needle but i think it's been fun specifically with a um a, this kind of audit that we were able to be a part of with forbes where they had a really crazy um season for the garment textile world of bangladesh and in rana plaza was the disaster i think it's 2006 and companies like nike like won't even touch bangladesh anymore due to this uh, factory collapsed which like the owner of it like there was like a, a crack in the foundation it was like at 10 a.m and all of the workers left and then the owner is like get back in there or you're all fired and it was thousands and thousands of people and then it just collapsed and um and just really large brands were making stuff out of there um but it was kind of like one of those stories that you never want to hear and so bangladesh has kind of gotten blacklisted by so many large companies and so then to have a story of of great um kind of like just entrepreneurial mindset of like a, a general manager who started in the nonprofit space and he was just so burnt out on like always finding donors that he started making handicrafts and then randomly my brother found him through like etsy something was like one point of differentiation through some other friends and then kind of said hey this is like a, a model that we want to make we want to do it like this this is kind of some other elements to it and how it's just been like so fun to see it grow over the years.
but it's all kind of been like um, hopefully like an example of how to do things a little different in Bangladesh. But I think to answer your like original question, like we're not really doing anything revolutionary, but we've just been, I think, doing it for a while and kind of being consistent and then tying it to the certification of B Corp, which has become more and more popular to give it like a level of um, like fire to our feet to kind of improve it consistently. But I think most of the stuff that Blake's doing at Tom's and Yvonne does at Patagonia and some of these other individuals, um, it's like we're like a drop in the bucket, but they've done such incredible work that we're so glad to learn from. Yeah, it's like you say micro, um, Mm. but at the same time, like the fact that you're doing it at all, just to encourage you, like the fact that you're doing it at all, like there's, you know, big companies who are unfortunately not even doing that and not even Mm. trying, not even going that Mm. route. Um, So as far as like thinking that you're micro, there's tons of people buying these market bags. I mean, you said you're getting close to a million owners of Mm -hmm. these market bags. Like that's a million people who know your story and see your bags and see like, oh, this was made in Bangladesh. Like Mm -hmm. who made my bag? And the fact Mm -hmm. that like the coordinates are on the bag of like Mm -hmm. where I just feel like you guys are giving even like Bangladesh people a voice that they don't originally mm-hmm. have too. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just want to encourage you in that because oh, it's, it's much Thanks more so. than, than just that, you know, <laughs> you're it's, it's sure like maybe like a drop in the bucket, but we're not here to compare, you know, <laughs> true. Totally, totally. Um, okay. This might sound stupid cause I don't know how to formulate this, but I'm going to do like my very best. Hold right on. Now. Every <laughs> single one of my questions <laughs> sounded stupid. So it's okay. So I guess I'm feeling like I'm learning a lot from you about fair trade because I am very guilty of really not caring and just being really honest about that. Me too. And not because I don't care about the people, but just because I don't really know exactly the impact that it truly does make when you do buy fair Mm -hmm. trade. And so... Mm -hmm. For you, I'm sure you try to buy like mostly fair trade or, or whatever that looks like. But I guess is there like kind of a short summary that maybe we can like leave our like our audience with or for to people to just remember when they're out shopping and they want to get stuff like how big of a difference it really does make to shop fair trade and how many people it really does help if that makes sense. Impact, yeah. Impact. Oh no, totally. Yeah, I mean, I guess the one thing that I'm like maybe a little too. Um, cynical about is that like I think if if you were to kind of say like oh hey you know get out your um, decoder ring and find everything that's certified fair trade and you know only eat this way and only do this like you're gonna like be really let down because often like most of these call it um, outlooks from the standpoint of how some of these businesses have been built is like they really are like they're like, unfortunately, like doing too much good, which sounds really bad, but it's like, you, you have to like, think about the end consumer first. And then you got to like, really, I feel like purpose in a brand is like implicit now, like people are like, wanting that more than ever. So you can't like, just assume that, um, that like, you're just going to put something out in the world and not do it really well. But I think like some of the things that are out there that are like, trying to do really well like they're just like no one really wants like i i love kind of the 
call it Ashland vibes of like the the home yeah. free the home the home free culture, you know, uh-huh. like but it's like that that in a major sense is like not like scalable if you want to like actually make an impact whether it's like jobs or it's like reinventing sourcing or it's you know so many things so i think my my thought is like um what i love about like what it means to be b corp certified is that it really takes a better kind of like global overview of the business where it's environmental and social standards and you have to hit a minimum score you get audited in a really um it's like about every three years depending on your um level of income and it because for for why i'm kind of like just doing a little bit of a derailment is that like like fair trade certification is kind of like like such a like an incremental piece and like if if you're looking for like great i think kind of like kind of lens to think through like something that's looking more to like how employees are treated how customers are impacted how environments impacted like and the effort it takes to get certified b corp it just kind of becomes like a a better like thing for me when i'm like wow if that company actually took the time to get um, certified b corp that's amazing and then yeah if they have a fair trade certification like that's huge too i think it's just what i'm like often like um frustrated by is like the altruistic kind of person who's like wearing like you know Hanes socks you know and it's like look like it's really impossible to like act like as pure as you want if you're going to be using like gasoline like so just like keep in perspective that like there's there's so much like that you can improve but like just know that like everything's got like a you know, an appreciation for like, we're heading in the right direction if you can keep things like optimistic and to not be the, I mean, I feel like super cynical, but like, I think the people who are just like, I only buy this way, I only do this way, I think are just like kind of missing the point because it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a much bigger conversation and you're going to like really like tune out so many people if you're kind of just becoming a little bit um, like black and white about how things like, for example, like if we were to push our initial cooperatives to be um, fair trade certified when we started, like they would have needed to pay so much to get the certification, but they were going above and beyond. They were paying like above, like 30% above certified fair trade wage. They were doing an AM profit dividend and they're doing a retirement fund. But like, if we were just say, oh, hey, we don't touch you because you're not certified for mm-hmm. trade, you just kind of like miss the point. Like you got to find like great people that can really like, yeah, be trusted with a little and and really kind of grow out of that. Um, and then I think just from the standpoint of like how to look at brands, like I think you just definitely want stuff that makes you feel good and looks good and, and you're thankful for it. And I think the brands that are going to actually be in business, that's just going to be implicit that they have like purpose and like a lot of the certification built in because it just it's just really hard to stay in business especially through this season without doing things the right way so it just kind of going to be more organic is how it, it gets kind of filtered out mm-hmm. that's so good yeah it's a really good answer so just do your best do as- <laughs> <laughs> um so wrapping it up here we like to ask all of our guests what their silver lining is so that's just mm-hmm. something good that has come from something like bad or challenging and it can be in any season or the entirety of your life um 
So I don't know if there was something that you have on the, off the top of your head. Yeah. I mean, I think like, I, I consider like my brother, like my best friend and also like my worst enemy because we're like oil and water. And, um, I think there's just something really strong when my parents were like, you know, what? all the way till college, you guys got to share your same room and like bunk beds for life. Um, that we like just learned that like, you can't go to sleep angry and that's like great in marriage. That's great in business partnerships. So it's like, even when we have a huge disagreement, we're like, Oh, we're going to probably see each other at the next like family meal. So we should figure it out. And I think that's like a, a major kind of advantage that I think most people look at family business and they think like, Oh man, that just seems like so lacking as far as finding the right dynamics for, the best talent and the best um, kind of outcomes or performance when really like, I think if you have like capable human beings that are willing to problem solve and wanting to constantly improve and learn like family business is some of the best. I think where it gets sticky is when you have just bad examples around you or you just in some way, shape or form get um, just kind of in a place where you just get curmudgeon you don't allow your heart to stay soft and just kind of like forgive and move on. And so I think it's a huge kudos to my parents for setting that example. And I feel like that's, especially in this season, kind of where it's like, you're kind of like, who knows what's going to happen next week with this season we're in. And so just to kind of take it lightly, but know that I got like a great business partner that I'm like, dude, we'll figure it out. You know, worst case scenario, we're going to, you know, turn these market bags into cool, like napkins for everyone to have like their home interior vibes, you know, whatever, like we'll figure it out. So that's mm -hmm. all. I can think of as a silver lining. Yeah. That's so good. No, that is really good. Um, okay. Well, where, where can people find you and your bags and everything else that you're doing? Oh, it's just, um, A P O L I S, um, on Instagram. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Well, thank cool. you so much for, for <laughs> being you, on the Shay. show. This was so fun. It was so fun to have you. <laughs> thanks ladies. Congrats. The show's so fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Cool. All right, Shakers, thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed today's show and um, we're just able to learn more about Apollos and all of the amazing work that they are doing in the world. Um, I know I learned a lot about fair trade and all of that stuff and it was just uh, such a pleasure to have Shay on the show. Um, like we said at the beginning of the episode, if you haven't yet, if you could just subscribe, rate, and review, it helps us out so much and it helps us out um, it helps us get more guests and people like Shay on the show. Um, you can follow us at the Salt and Pepper Podcast on Instagram, and you can follow us personally at Olivia Corinne and at Lisa Brasser Ursu. You can also scroll down and you can see all of those links in the show notes. Um, if you haven't yet, you can join our Facebook group, the Salt and Pop, <laughs> the Salt and Pepper Podcast Insiders. There we just chat about um, more of the topics that we talk about on the show, and we just hang out with you guys. So anyway, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you guys next Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Tune in every Tuesday on the Salt and Pepper Podcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and please rate and review. Follow us on Instagram at the Salt and Pepper Podcast. Make sure to like and follow our Facebook page and email us for any questions, comments, or ideas about what you want to hear on the show. We will see you next Tuesday. I'm all shook up.